Church, we're excited to start our new series called Equipped today. But before we do that, we're going to take the opportunity to celebrate something really awesome. It's the people who have recently committed to being new members of our church. We have a slide up here with their pictures. If this is you, we want you to stand if there's anybody in the room that's here. But more than anything, we want to clap. You may take your seat. We just want to enjoy and be celebrating this every single time that we can because it's awesome that these people, though, it, might, it may seem like it's their own journey. It's the journey of the church because when people are committing to, sell, to be in community, when people are committing to serve, when people are committing to give, that blesses the church in its entirety. And so that journey is the same journey for us because we are growing and being and being sanctified together. And so it's awesome that we're getting the opportunity to celebrate this because today in our new series, Equipped, we're going to be talking about community and how we are being equipped through community. You know, what is the purpose of being equipped through community? We based ourselves off of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to that passage. If you don't have your Bible, we'll have the verses up here on the screen. I'll start off by reading Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, which say, And he gave the apostles, he meaning God, God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. He's going to give us the reason why he has provided this. Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Again, God has provided the church leaders diverse roles, different roles for the purpose of equipping those who belong to God. These are the saints, those who belong to God. This is the building up of the body of Christ. So it's believers, it's those who have put their faith and trust in Christ who are the primary beneficiaries of the church's organization, of the leaders who God has provided for the church. And the believers are being equipped for the work of ministry. Believers are being equipped for the work of ministry. So again, within this series, we're gonna be talking about how the church is equipping the saints and we are equipping the saints through community. Why does the church leadership, why does the church staff, why do they take enough time to be able to create a space for community, for fellowship, for the gathering of the church people? How does a community equip us for the work of ministry? The first point we're gonna be looking at today is this equipped through community to identify as Christ's follower. We are being equipped through community to identify as Christ's follower. We'll be in John chapter 13 for a second here as well. John chapter 13 starts off with Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Jesus humbling himself 
to wash the disciples' feet. And if you know anything about feet back then, they were pretty rugged. They would, they would have open-toed shoes and they would be walking through dirt roads. They'd be walking through the field and they'd get to, to their homes. And before they would continue inside, they would wash their feet so nothing else would get messy. So this is Jesus and his disciples getting to the upper room. And Jesus, God himself, drops himself, humbles himself, and washes his disciples' feet. And I want us to keep that in mind. John chapter 13 starts with that. And down in verse 31, Jesus says this. Now is the son of man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. That's a lot of glorifying, I know. But it's like he, in the next verse, he says to the disciples, let me put it in simple terms for you. Little children, verse 33 says, little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. This is what, the, what both of these verses mean that Jesus Christ was not going to physically be with his disciples. And he's introducing this idea. He's probably already said it a few times, but the disciples aren't really understanding what he's saying, but he's saying, I will not physically be here. But before I am crucified, before I am resurrected, before I ascend to the Father, he says this in verse 34, I leave you with a new commandment, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Verse 35, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So Jesus, again, explaining to his disciples, right now you've had the advantage of me being physically here with you. Because when we leave rooms like this, people can literally see you following my footsteps. People can physically, visibly see you serving me, caring for me, putting a roof over my head. People can see that you are my disciples because I am physically here, but I will not be forever. And to the disciples, he says, the way that people will identify you as my followers is that you have love for one another. And that love is defined by the way Jesus himself loved us. This means, church, that the love that you have between your fellow brothers and sisters of Christ should be completely different from what the world offers. That by just seeing that the way that you relate with each other, that by just seeing the way that you have community with other believers, by the love that you have one another, other people will be able to identify you as a follower of Jesus Christ. And that might be difficult now in this day and age because, you know, we live in such an individualistic culture. Because if we think about it, you know, we, we can get our groceries curbside because we don't have to bump into each other. We can, you know, we can order online. We can order on Amazon because I don't have to go shopping in the mall anymore. I don't have to go to the shops anymore. I don't have to bump into anybody. 
I was gonna say drive-through, but it's even crazier now that you can get your food literally at your doorstep. You don't even have to see the delivery guy anymore. And so we live in such an individualistic culture that it's difficult to live that way and come to church and not, the, not to treat the church in such a way as a drive-through. I'll come in and I'll go. I've watched online, that's enough. It's difficult if we live that way to not do that with the church. It's something that we have to be aware of and battle against. And some of us might say, well, you know, I'm saving time. I'm saving time. I don't have to do all of those things. I don't have to leave my house. I'm saving time. Well, how many of us are stocking up that time for others? Are we stocking up that time just for more of ourselves? The church, another way of understanding the commandment that Jesus has given to his disciples here is that the way that you express your commitment to follow Christ, the way that you express, I am a follower of Christ, I am a disciple of Christ, is by loving other followers of Christ. And it's not, you know, it's not a subjective and general type of love, but it's a love that can be visible to others. It's a love that can be visible, visible to others. Because if we want to understand this type of love practically, you know, it's easy to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where Paul defines what love is. Everybody knows this. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This type of love is an active type of love. It's not passive. Because a great reason for love to be defined in this way for us is that we can know that within our community, there will be times where you can easily get frustrated. But because of Christ, you're gonna choose to love patiently. And within our community, there's gonna be times where you can easily be harsh. But because of Christ, you will love kindly. And so on and so on, you can go through this passage. It's a love that is active, not passive. It is a visible Christ-like love. And this world, this culture, you know, the motivating factor for us to love somebody without Christ, the motivating factor is usually our emotions. It's how I feel. It's my happiness. I will love you if you make me feel good. I will love you if I am happy. Sometimes it's easier to love the people that you don't even know because you know they're not gonna offend you. You know they're not gonna hurt you. And we choose to love based on our emotion, based on our own happiness. But the motivating factor, as scripture calls us here, the motivating factor is that Christ has loved us. So I will love like Christ. And we have to change that type of motivating factor for ourselves and allow Christ to change that within us. And as you mentioned, this type of love, church, isn't offered anywhere else. 
Again, for people to visibly see a different type of love, a love that they can define you as a follower of Christ is completely different from anything this world has. Because the world now wants you to live by what's fair to you. It wants you to live by eye, to eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Christ completely rejects that. Because Christ-like love, when visible, is most visible. Christ-like love is visible and is most visible when you show grace to other people when they don't deserve it. It's most visible when you receive mercy when you don't deserve it. That's the type of Christ-like love, a love that is selfless. And the only reason that this world cannot offer that is because only God and Jesus Christ are the only ones who ever loved as selflessly as they did. The Father giving up his own son. Christ, perfect, giving up his life. That we were his enemies. That's the type of community that Christ is calling us to. And, and who better to practice that type of love with than with the church? Who better to practice that type of love with than other people who understand grace, than other people who understand mercy, than other people who understand forgiveness? Who's, who better to practice that? Because when you come and show your broken selves, you will receive those things. Maybe not perfectly. You know, we live within a community of broken people. We understand that. But all of us, when being held together by Jesus Christ, when being held together in unity in him, all of us, when striving to love the way Christ loved us, he will continue to call out that sin within us. And we will continue to see grace. We'll continue to see mercy. We'll continue to see forgiveness. So again, we are being equipped through community to identify as Christ's followers. So a second point that we see is within the Ephesians 4 passage that we started with. I'm gonna read the first two verses we just read, verses 11 and 12, chapter four, verses 11 and 12, that says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So again, God has provided these leaders to equip us to equip the members of the church. This is the building up the body of Christ. Verse 13, until, this is the goal, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, meaning oneness church, and of the knowledge of the Son of God. The goal is unity, the goal is oneness, and the goal is knowledge of who Christ is, knowledge of the gospel. This will lead us to mature manhood, it says, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We know that we will be with him present for eternity if we have faith in him. But from this moment till then, Christ is calling us to be sanctified to his stature. And together we are matured to his stature. And in oneness, verse 14, this is the purpose of that, the purpose of our maturity, so that 
we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So the result of being a mature follower of Christ is someone who can't be tossed around, carried away by every new doctrine, by every doctrine that comes in rapidly. The result of being a mature follower of Christ is someone who can't be tossed around or carried away by the deceitfulness of man because he is steady in the truth of God. And a community who's steady to the true gospel, who holds Christ alone as their cornerstone, it won't waver when the world tries to tell you that they've figured it out. And it won't shake whenever the world wants to deconstruct your faith. Because when we hold steady to his truth, when we hold steady to the maturity that Christ brings to us through community, through his word, church, that is the way that God is, or that Christ is using to mature us, to that oneness, to the knowledge of the true gospel. In verse 15, he continues, rather, so this is the contrast of somebody who might be unstable, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Christ, whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, Christ makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Christ makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The, co- the contrast of somebody who's unstable. So those who are stable, speak the truth in love and imitate Christ. And Christ holds us together. Christ is the one who unites us. Have you been seeing, even just within this passage that we've been seeing, Christ provides, God provides the leaders. Christ provides the example. He is the stature of which we are maturing to. Christ is the one we ought to imitate. Christ holds us together. We are dependent and lean on him completely. And the means, the means by which Christ builds up his church, we see in verse 16, Christ makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We are being equipped through community to be steady in his truth church. And I'm reminded, you know, just this past semester, my wife and I recently went through re-engage and, uh, and we signed up and we, we were excited about, you know, being part of it, being, going through the curriculum. But at the first week, me and my wife were talking and we're like, no, we kind of already know what our problems are. Uh, we just haven't spent enough time together. That's it. And so we're just kind of doing this just to, you know, just to kind of go through something. Um, but first week, people start opening up and they start becoming more vulnerable. And then we start becoming more vulnerable. And we start confessing things, confessing our sin, confessing how we're broken. And the light of Christ is starting to shed within all of our sins. And we are starting to see how broken we are. Yet, yet we share in the grace of God. We give grace to each other. We give mercy to each other. 
We cast our burdens onto each other and we bear each other's burdens. And in that way, in that way, we are steady in his truth. Because it's one thing reading about the grace of God and the other is experiencing it through his community. That is a deepening in the truth of Christ that nowhere else you can find. And it's why we're called and commanded to be in his community. Because when people started shedding light on my sin, when my community started shedding light onto my sin, I was blinded by all of that, blinded by my pride, blinded by my ego, blinded by the way I held my wife onto my own expectations. And the enemy wants you to stay isolated because if we would have been isolated, then we would still be living in that sin. No matter how much I know, no matter how much I read, it's only through community that Jesus Christ uses that group of people to show me to show me my sin, to put it up front, to put it out in front of others so that God and Christ can show me that there is grace to be found in that, there's mercy to be found in that, but there's also reconciliation and there's transformation and sanctification that is to be found in that. And the enemy wants you to be isolated. He wants you to stay hidden. He wants you to stay in secret. He wants you to live in your sin in darkness and he doesn't want you to be in community because he knows and understands what happens there. He knows that when you start confessing to others and start showing to people, this is who I am and this is how Jesus Christ has found me, then the work starts happening and that equipping of the saints and that loving one another and that transformation starts happening together. The enemy doesn't want that. He wants you to live with your blind spots. He wants you to live hidden. But church, we're called to his light. There has to be an urgency from us, church, to care for each other, to be authentic to each other, knowing that Christ is using that to reconcile each and one of us. And church, we can give into, you know, an individualistic mindset as we talked about. And some of the things we've heard is, well, my relationship was, is with Jesus. It's not with the church. My relationship was with Jesus, not other people who follow Jesus. But denying the church, denying the bride of Christ, denying the church whose head is Christ, denying that church is denying Christ. Denying that church is denying Christ. And we ought to see it in that way, how important that is. Because if I could put it in the most simplistic terms, you know, which one of you husbands would accept an invitation if somebody came up to you and was like, hey, we want, you, we want to hang out with you. Come on over, but please just don't bring your wife because we don't really want to hang out with her. Don't raise your hands, I promise you. I'll try to save you from that one. We had a couple in the other services. No, I'm just kidding. I'm no, if somebody would tell me that, rejecting my wife is rejecting me because we're one. And so is with the bride of Christ and his church. Christ is calling you 
to his body. So denying the church, denying the people of the church is denying Christ. You know, another thing we've heard is, well, I attended Sunday service. That's enough community for me. That's enough gathering. Or I watched online. That's enough gathering. That's enough community. But let's make a distinction. Attending a church service without gathering with its people is not community. Attending a church service without gathering with its people is not community. It would be a very incomplete view of what gathering with the church means. Because though it's, it's important to sing about who God is, though it's important to read the Bible and know who God is, gathering with its church, being in community, is being known, is doing life on life, is allowing Christ to use community to grow each and every one of us. And as we think about, you know, just the journey of Grace Bible Church within this past year, you know, we opened up this new campus. It's a bigger building, more seats, more people. So it's a lot easier for us to blend in. It's a lot easier for us to dis disappear right after service. But church, we are not called to just come to a service. We are called to gather with its people. So though it's important to sing about God, it's important for you to know the people who you are singing with. Though it's important to learn about God, it's important for all of us to be in community and know the people who you are growing and learning with. It means being known. It means doing life on life. And that's usually the scary part for us. It's usually what people are, are running away from because of that. Because when we start confessing our sin, when light is starting to be shed on our sin, we feel ashamed, we feel fear. But again, Christ is calling us to community to deepen our understanding of the gospel. And if this is you, if you've said some of these things, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm not trying to bring up a barrier between you and us, whatever it is. It's not at all it. I'm trying to show you that there's a door open of a people who are ready to love like Christ, to show you grace, to show you mercy, to bear your burdens, to pray with you, to care for you. And in that way, we are building each other up. Because when you're willing to be vulnerable and authentic with others, and they show you the love of Christ. Church, it's not, it's not just the person that's confessing who's growing, it's the person who's forgiving, it's the person who's sharing in those burdens. Christ uses those moments to encourage both of us. You know, Romans uh, chapter one, Paul is, is telling the, the Roman church, he's saying, man, I long to be with you, to see you. In verse 12, he says, so that we mutually may be encouraged by the faith of one another, by each other's faith. Because when I see the faith that you have when you're celebrating, I'm encouraged. When I see the faith that you have when you're in sorrow, I'm encouraged. And when we're sharing that often in community, 
This is the means by which Jesus Christ builds up his church. Now return back to John chapter 13. We talked about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Humbly, God himself goes to the floor and washes his disciples' feet, his followers' feet. Judas was still in the room and he washed Judas's feet, though he was gonna betray him not long after. Peter was still in the room and he washed Peter's feet, though he was gonna deny him not long after. Thomas was still in the room, he washed Thomas's feet, though he was gonna lose faith when he was crucified. Though you might be in earthly terms offended and hurt, Jesus, knowing this, chose to love his disciples, to care for one another. So if you have any fear of that, know that it might be a possibility within a room full of broken people, but that excuse doesn't hold on if we're loving the way Christ loved us. Because though we were still his enemies, he died for us. If you identify as his follower, if you say, I am a follower of Christ, but you don't gather with, its, with his people, church, you're not, only, you're not only invited to be in community, you're commanded to be in his body. You're commanded to love one another, love his followers. And if you're in that fellowship, if you're engaging with his people, know that the love you have for one another, the care that you have for one another, this is what Jesus is using to build us up. It's the means by which Christ grows us. He sanctifies us. He unites us. He transforms us. And in this love, people will see that that is a different type of care. That is a different type of love. That's a selfless love that doesn't react or that isn't waiting to be happy themselves. It's a love that doesn't have pride but is selfless in every single way. And I could tell you, church, by experience, whenever I didn't want to confess to my church, whenever I didn't want to confess to God's people, it's because I wanted to hide. I wanted to hold on to my sin because that felt good to my flesh. That when God used his people to call that out for me, to confess that and put that in front of other people who love the way Christ did, the gospel became true in my life in a much deeper way. You're not only invited, you're commanded. And God isn't commanding you because he wants you to feel shame or fear. God is commanding you because in this way, he will grow his kingdom. He will grow his church to be more like Christ. Let's pray, church. Father, if there's any fear or shame, Father, I pray that you, you save us from that. Because we know that within your church, 
than the people of your church. You will show us who you are. Though we were enemies, Christ died for us. Though we sinned against you, that we are adulterous, Christ in his holiness, Christ forgives us, has forgiven us, and he's growing us. So church, if there's any fear or shame, break it down. Make us a people who are confident to be authentic with each other, vulnerable with each other. We want to give in to your will. We want to give in to the way that you grow us as a church. We pray all of this in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen. Thank you, church.